Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. I learned a long time ago in the hospital business. When I was directing hospital pharmacy, if I had incredible gifted people working for me, guess who always looked good to the boss? Me. Plus, guess how the department ran? Perfect. And some of those people were way more gifted than I was. I just happened to have the gift of leadership. They were way more gifted. Well, I acknowledge that and allow them to give their opinions or whatever. And that just makes the place go better. Remember, guys, we're not just a head up here. I know this is potato head, but he's got arms and feet and eyes and whatever and lips, okay? If you have a position of authority at your job, how do you handle having someone who might do your job better than you do? Do you feel threatened? Try to hold them back? Or do you help them to flourish? Your answer might tell what kind of leader you are. Pastor Mark will be teaching today about people with the gift of leadership. He'll be telling you the kind of character they should have, as well as the kind of traits you'll see in them. You'll learn how to be a better leader, whether you have the spiritual gift of leadership or not. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now here's Pastor Mark in Romans chapter 12 as he continues his series, Motivational Gifts. Leaders value harmony. That's what makes the place go. They value harmony. And that makes the body very efficient. And again, thanks. You guys are incredible. And I have an incredible staff. Now, don't misunderstand me. It doesn't mean if you get constructive criticism or guys in the whatever want to say to me, boom, 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 boom. No, that's fine. We want that. You'll see that in a moment. You definitely want that. But you don't want people behind the scenes trying to get your job or trying to take your place or trying to take over this ministry or do this, that, and the other. If you do that, you know behind it is one person. It's always Satan. Because if he can do that, then instead of us fighting outside, we put all our energy trying to survive inside. And we've been very fortunate in this church. God has blessed us. And that's because you guys are very submissive. Thank you. Now, what if we operate the gift of leadership in the flesh? What's it going to look like? Well, number one, it's going to be pretty ugly because people with leadership have influence. Number one, if you operate the gift of administration in the home, church, whatever, men, women, again, you can get discouraged very easy when criticized. If I'm not careful and I get lots of emails And, you know, most are very good. Some are constructive. And then there's some that you I had one this week. And I said to the elders on Monday night, after I got this email, I'm glad I had my devotions before I got the email. And I told them what I emailed the individual back. And then I said, do you want to hear what my first email was? Well, they didn't want to hear it. But I thought it was good. I want to hear it again because it made me feel good. No, you have to be careful. And here's the danger. You can get discouraged And if you get discouraged, 
have to be careful with criticism. You can get calloused. So you don't care what people say anymore. And that's your reaction not to hurt, not to hurt. Uh, just let them say whatever they want. They have no good ideas anyway. And so you get callous. You don't want to be callous as a leader. You want to be sensitive as a leader. You want to be listening to people. Because God quite often speaks through critics. Even sometimes if they're not really speaking the truth in love, but they are speaking the truth. Number two. If you do that, it moves on to this. You begin to view people as a resource. You don't value people. They're just a way to get your deal done. So organizers and leaders can be so goal-oriented, they become pushy. You're going to do it my way. And eventually, they may not say that, but boy, does it come out. And then, of course, you're leading, but you're not really leading the way God would have you lead. If I operate in the flesh as a leader, if you do, I can delegate to avoid work. You say, I'm a great delegator. And you go in and that person's desk, there's never anything on it. And here's what they'll say to you. I'm an incredible delegator. Well, they may be, but they should be working on something. So we have to be careful that we don't look lazy. On the other end, you go in and guy's desk over whatever, come, come out the thing, can't find, I know it's here somewhere, it's four months old. Probably don't have the gift of organization, number one, or leader, or they have no clue how to delegate. They have no clue. How to, so they need help. So you need to have somebody step in and say, here's how I can do that. Number four, this is a dangerous one. Tries to buy loyalty with favoritism. You see, leaders that say, I got to get this project done. I got to get this goal accomplished. I'm going to find somebody that's like a yes person. And I'm going to keep promoting these yes person. I want to surround myself with yes people because I can get my project done. I don't have time to listen to somebody else's opinion. Well, if you're going to be a great leader, you want great leaders around you. And great leaders are never yes people. Now, you don't want gripey, complaining people that every time you say, no, I got a better idea. You don't want that. You want a spirit of unity. I learned a long time ago in the hospital business when I was directing hospital pharmacy. If I had incredible gifted people working for me, guess who always looked good to the boss? Me. Plus, guess how the department ran? Perfect. And some of those people were way more gifted than I was. I just happened to have the gift of leadership. They were way more gifted. Well, I acknowledge that and allow them to give their opinions or whatever. And that just makes the place go better. Remember, guys, we're not just a head up here. I know this is potato head, but he's got arms and feet and eyes and whatever and lips, okay? It's not about you being a leader. We need to work together. So you have to be careful that you don't buy loyalty. And so you keep giving the goody things to this person because you know they're going to go, yes, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. <laughs> Number five. This is huge. What's the danger if I operate in the flesh? Drives self to produce, but neglects personal and family needs. See, a person that would have the gift of leadership and organization, they can get overextended very easily. They can be too committed to too many things. And there isn't a leader in this building that doesn't understand what I'm just saying. And there isn't a leader's wife or a leader's husband sitting in this building that doesn't understand what I'm just saying. So... The zeal for using their gift, and they have one, can leave family members neglected. Number six, 
This is also here. If I operate in the flesh as a leader, as an organizer, as a visionary, what's the danger of operating in the flesh? Here it is. Can become impatient and get ahead of God. I think that's a huge one. Because if you're a leader, remember, you want it to be done tomorrow. Remember Joshua? Great leader. Remember they crossed the Jordan? You had a great victory? Go up to Ai the next day. No problem. Just go out up there, get it done, taken care of. Go finish it up. Came back, destroyed. God wasn't with them. Why? Got ahead of God. Got ahead of God. Now, if you're a leader, you don't like the leader that you're serving saying, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's... He's always, she's always telling me to wait. It's all right. You're anxious. And we're all anxious. But that's a huge one because remember, and you can study it later. I won't go there tonight. Joshua chapter 7. You can just go through and look at that little passage there where Joshua got ahead of God. And because he got ahead of God, a lot of people were killed. And eventually, they had to get down on their face. In fact, Joshua 7, 6 says, And Joshua tore his clothes and fell face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord, remaining there till evening. And the elders of Israel did the same and sprinkled dust on their heads. Why? Because they got ahead. And notice, when a leader gets ahead, people follow. And if people get hurt, whose fault was it? The leaders. So, if you have the gift of leadership and you like it, Remember, you have tremendous responsibility because people are following you. Husband, you're going to get ahead of God with your job that you're moving to because this is a perfect job. It's exactly where I want to go. Wife, the house is my house. I'm going to get ahead of God. Trouble. Careful. Make sure you hear from God because that can damage everything. Now, how do we grow in this gift of leadership? Number one. Remember, we started with the definition. You have to lead with diligence. And that means perseverance and patience and excellence. You don't want a leader that loses interest as they get toward the goal. If you are going to be a leader, you need to be a finisher. Finish the thing that God called you to do. Trust God's timing. Persevere. There are always going to be critics. Get used to it. It's part of the deal. So don't get discouraged with it. Listen to them. Sometimes you can learn a lot. Other times you just have to say thank you and you move on because God is the one you listen to. Number two, keep people more important than any project or goal. See, you're not in a project business. You're not in a church business. You're not in a some kind of a deal that you're working in with your small group or whatever. And, you know, you, you just forget people. You're just going to get this project done. No, the kingdom of God is about people. The world's really about people. Number three, I'll write this right here tonight for Pastor Mark. (laughs) Take time each week to rest and reflect. Any other leaders have to write your name by that one? Any anybody out there? No, eh? I'm the only one, eh? Lord, you gave me all liars in this building. I don't know what in the world. (laughs) I know better than that. Now, why do we say this? Because Remember what I said at the beginning. What motivates a leader? Leading, vision, challenges, get the stuff done, move on, next project. That's what motivates. And so if you're going to be that person, you have to realize, well, no, God said work six, rest one. That's hard. Hard for me. My day off, quite often I'm reading the new stuff and thinking what God's doing and whatever. I just have to kick back more. 
I had to kick back and hit the ball more, do something, go to the beach, sit around, do whatever. You the same. Not only rest, but sometimes just reflect. Number four, keep family and spouse as a number one priority behind God. Second Timothy 3 says this, He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him with proper respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? So if you aspire to be an elder or a pastor, uh, your home needs to be in order. It's not going to be perfect. And when our kids get teenagers and whatever, they make their own decisions. We're not talking about that, but that priority of the home has to be there for you. So as you do that, if you can lead that home, then obviously you can take that to the next level. Number five, big one. Always keep the big picture focused on eternity. You see, we're not just about the next building project, the next this, the next whatever. Those things are all there, but the whole reason for the church is eternity. It's people's destination, the final destination I talked about. Where people are going, to heaven or to hell. That's the goal. So the big picture is always about that. It's not about another big building, another big project, another big whatever. Those things are all cool. They all fit into it. But remember, they have to work through that heart. Now, turn with me to Acts chapter 15. There's a number of passages in the Bible that you can use to see lots of people that had this gift of organization, leadership, administration. Titus had one. Once in Titus, he says, uh, Paul says, the reason I left you in Crete was so that you might straighten out what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. Timothy also was a great organizer of the gift of leadership. And let me just say this. I don't think I said it up front. A lot of people think if you have the gift of a leader or an organizer or the administration, you have to have this big charismatic gift. You have to be this very outspoken person up in the front, middle people, always opening your mouth. No, that's not true. Titus, we don't see that really there. Timothy, what did Paul have to say to Timothy? You're timid. So Timothy didn't have the same personality that Paul had. Leadership really isn't about a personality. It's about the gift that God gave you. We all use that gift with different ways. There's quiet people that have the gift of leadership. And we used to hear that. And you'll know those people because they don't speak a lot. But when they speak, you better listen. Because they're very wise. And so it isn't personality directed. Now, here in Acts 15... Let's just take a look and we'll read a little bit through this. And we'll show you that James is a great picture of leadership in the church. Let's begin in verse 1. Now some men came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. Remember the church in Antioch was pretty much a Gentile and The leadership there, notice in verse 2, this brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed along with some other believers to go up to Jerusalem. Now, why would they go to Jerusalem? Well, they're going to go back to the sending church. The Jerusalem church was the headquarters. So they're still in relationship with them here at Antioch. And they're going to go back and they're going to go, well, these Pharisees came in and they told us, well, you had to be circumcised and doesn't matter if you're Jew, Gentile, you Gentile, forget it. You're going to have to be circumcised. So as you see, there's a little division that's happening. Now, you can scoot on down to verse 12. 
They get down here. They get to Jerusalem. There's a few people talking. Look at verse 12. The whole assembly, this is the leadership in Jerusalem. The whole assembly became silent as they listened to Barnabas and Paul telling about the miraculous signs and wonders God had done among the Gentiles through them. So Paul and Barnabas, they give this summary of what God's been doing. He's been opening doors, the message of grace, people are finding in salvation. And so they and Peter have been saying, well, no, you don't need to be circumcised. God's saving people. The Spirit fell on them. Now, notice someone, again, among leaders, there's a person who's leading the church. It's James. James, Jesus' half-brother, is leading the church, not Peter, in Jerusalem. Notice verse 13. When they finished, all the debate's done, all the leaders have spoken. When they finished, James spoke up. And James says, brothers, listen to me. So he's presiding over the meeting. He speaks up. Well, what is he going to say? Notice, listen to me. I'm the leader. You listen to me now. Simon has described, Peter, to us how God at first showed his concern by taking from the Gentiles a people for himself. The words of the prophets are in agreement with this, as it is written. After this, I will return and rebuild David's fallen tent, its ruins. I will rebuild and I will restore that the remnant of men may seek the Lord and all the Gentiles who bear my name, says the Lord who does these things. That have been known for ages. So James says, no, God always intended to save the Gentiles. And he goes back to an Old Testament passage, talks about it, and says, this is what it is. In the end time, there will be Israel, and there will be the Gentiles. This was always God's goal. And so James says, listen to me, I'm going back to Scripture. By the way, if you're a leader, that's a great thing to be able to say. I'm telling you, this is what we're going to do, because this is what God's Word says. Just exactly in the day of Pentecost, you remember? Peter got up and he says, this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. So you want a leader in a church that goes by this. And that's exactly what James does. Now, notice in verse 19. It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. So James settles the deal. He says the Pharisees are wrong, legalistic ones. There doesn't need to be any of this, and I won't take time to go through that and talk about all the different things that need to be there. But notice some things. They send these men back to the church at Antioch to give them the message that was decided by the leaders. And a number of things I think are very good here. Take a look at verse 24. We have heard that some went out from us without our authorization. Well, who is in charge of the early church? The leaders in Jerusalem. You see, you have to have somebody in charge. And so these people in Antioch went back, made sure things were taken place of, made sure that the right decision came. The leaders got together and the final leader stood up and went, no, this is the way God says it's going to be. And this is the way we're going to do with it. And after, by the way, he did that, all these people that got together went, okay, sounds good to me. Sounds great. We'll just do it. And they did it. They went along with it. And by the way, when they got back to Antioch, look what happens in verse 31. This is a beautiful picture of leadership working together in unity. The people read this letter, and they gave them the deals, what they had to do. They read it, and they were glad for its encouraging message. Why? Well, Satan tried to bring division into the early church. The Judaizers say, no, you have to do this to get saved. 
Paul and Barnabas, no, no, that's not right. So they get together, hotly debate a topic, very difficult topic to solve. James rises up as a leader, says, no, this is nothing new. This is predicted in the Old Testament. You guys are the Judaizers? Hey, the Old Testament told about this. They agreed to it. There was peace in the leadership, and there was unity in leadership. And then they send the letter out. It goes back to the ascending church up in Antioch where there was division. They read the letter, and everybody goes, and they get on with the work of the kingdom. Do you see? It took a leader, and leaders submitting to one another and being useful together. And because of that, everybody had joy, and the church of God went forward. That's the way leadership works. Unity. Submitting one to another and obeying primarily, obviously, the Word of God. Now, one more. You may want to study in the Old Testament. Deborah is a person in Judges you can study as a lady who is an incredible leader, terrific leader. And you can also study the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah is a great picture of a leader. How he got everybody together, organized, did the wall, do all the deal. If you're a leader, this is the kind of person you're going to be. Remember, there's character traits for a leader. What does Nehemiah look like in that book? He's compassionate. He's goal-oriented. He's got lots of faith. He has that vision. Here's one I didn't talk about a lot. He leads by example. That's huge. You know, follow me. Well, don't do what I do, but like, follow me. By the way, parents, careful. Well, we can watch this. We can do this. We can do that. But you don't. No, 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 no. Lead by example. Knows when to delegate is personally involved. Remember? Delegate just moves himself. Who's the guy over there with a hard hat that does nothing? Oh, that's our leader. (laughs) No. You want to be involved with the people, right? Okay. Has a good prayer life. Why? Because that's where the vision comes from. Is courageous. In spite of knowing, somebody's going to say, well, you're crazy. When we started this church... Some people are like, what are you, crazy, Balmer? You're leaving pharmacy? No, it wasn't about that. It was following God. Works well under pressure. Diplomatic. Not easily discouraged. A good planner. Pays attention to details and timing. Is discerning. That's a gift of the Spirit. Knows when to wait and when to act. Now remember, what's the tendency of a leader? Tendency is always now. And last, recognizes the ability in others and utilizes it. That's huge. Remember, the leader, this head, is no good unless the rest of the body functioned with it. This head can say, let's go ahead. If there's no feet, he's not going anywhere. If there's no eye, he can't see. If he can't hear, can't speak. God made you. And he made me part of this body. We have one more gift, that gift of mercy, which is huge. And by the way, I'll just tell you this up front. Sometimes leaders don't have it. And so they depend on other people to what? Come alongside and go, well, what's wrong with you? Man, can't you feel for this person? Today, Pastor Mark continued to teach on the motivational gift of leadership. You found out that leaders like to be supported, which makes things run more smoothly. You also learned about the things that cause leaders to worry. Pastor Mark gave you the actions that someone with the gift of leadership can do to strengthen this skill set in their lives. 
There's so much to learn from Pastor Mark's current series, so be sure to join us again. In the meantime, we'd like to offer you a CD copy of today's message for your own archives or for you to share with friends and family. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on Order a Message at the top of the page. There you'll be asked for the mailing information and be sure to include today's date. Each CD costs $5 to cover materials and shipping. Again, to order your CD copy, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com. This brings Pastor Mark's teaching on the motivational gift of leadership to a close. Next time, he'll begin his teaching on the motivational gift of mercy. You'll find out what the Bible calls mercy and what kind of character traits someone with this gift might have. You'll learn the areas of the church where this particular gift is needed and best utilized. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. This brings Pastor Mark's teaching on the motivational gift of leadership to a close. Next time, he'll begin his teaching on the motivational gift of mercy. You'll find out what the Bible calls mercy and what kind of character traits someone with this gift might have. You'll learn the areas of the church where this particular gift are needed and best utilized. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in. And may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. in a hurry.